time. We're always changing, right? Um, do we have to like get all agonized over it? I don't know. Just like, I think sometimes we just make this, the idea of change seem like so terrifying when it's just part of being a human. This is High Stakes from Gerard Phillips, Kate, and Hancock. This is the Art of Change on the High Stakes Podcast. I'm David Schifrin. Many of you know that last year we launched the Art of Change. It was a publication designed to look at the relational human elements of change, why it happens, why it doesn't, and what's needed from the people leading healthcare organizations to guide them through change. We wrapped up season one at the end of last year, and then as we were preparing to launch season two, well, you know. It quickly became apparent that the COVID-19 pandemic would serve as a pressure test for our industry with the possibility that the result would be enduring shifts in how healthcare operates. Recording this in mid-June 2020, we're still a long way from knowing exactly what all of those changes will be and how well some of the shifts that we've already seen will stick, or if they even should. But I don't think that anyone argues that things will go back to the way they were before. In terms of this project called The Art of Change, the pandemic gave us an opportunity to evaluate some of the ideas that we developed last year through the lens of a major upheaval. So as the past three or four months have progressed, we've been taking a lot of notes. And now we're moving into season two, and it looks very different than what we expected. To kick it off, to try to level the ground a bit, I asked four of the partners at Gerard to talk about where they think we go from here. During the prep, we talked about it as a dinner conversation, four colleagues and friends sorting through what they've seen and offering their point of view. The conversation was led by our CEO, David Gerard, and includes Kim Fox, regional practice leader who you heard in that teaser at the beginning, Molly Kate, our chief innovation officer, and Lauren McConville, national and academic health system practice leader. We kicked off with a round robin, a quick recap of what everyone is hearing from their clients and around the industry, which I'll briefly summarize. Molly highlighted the desire on the part of health services companies and physician groups to get back to work. And also, she noted the challenge leaders have in communicating in an environment when things remain uncertain and, in fact, are still changing moment by moment. Lauren mentioned the fact that many national and academic providers are still in the middle of caring for COVID patients. And this was recorded just before we started seeing an upswing in cases. She also mentioned the need and desire to reopen safely and the anxiety clinical staff are dealing with. Finally, she described the harsh financial realities faced by healthcare providers today. From the regional standpoint, Kim echoed a lot of what Molly and Lauren described while noting that regional providers can often move more quickly than national systems due to their size. They're seeing a fairly quick return to volume during the restart. Kim's last point, which we get into more during the discussion, was that many hospitals and health systems are using this opportunity to make changes that, for one reason or another, weren't or couldn't be made before the pandemic. So that's where we'll pick up the conversation. Please be sure to check out all of Art of Change by heading over to aoc.gerardinc.com. That's aoc.jarrardinc.com. So all of you touched on something that I've been thinking about a lot too, which is how do you operate today and make decisions today when you don't know what the future is? As a leader, how, what's your messaging like? What's your story like when you're driving people to some pretty significant decisions, either capital investments or personnel decisions, but frankly, you just don't know. And how do you handle that communications and leadership? I'll jump in here. A couple thoughts come to mind. Number one, I think that there is a, um, a commitment level that I see among successful leadership teams in health services companies that are being pretty, um, pretty vulnerable in terms of the communications that they're distributing about the fact that they don't have all the answers. And so in the health services world where, you know, there's a, a lot of emphasis put on predictability in results and volumes uh, and pressure from investors, 
you know, that's a big step to, to, to communicate vulnerability and to make decisions and to be open about making decisions with the information that we have available at this time. And so I think there's the message is, is one of vulnerability. It's also one of, but what can we rely on? Well, we can rely on, you know, that our company or our practice or our organization is going to commit to the following things. And that might be like, you know, mission, vision, value statements on how they're going to make decisions. What are the guiding principles that they're going to use as we evolve through this together as a nation and as a company that aren't going to change? You know, what are we going to fall back on? And oftentimes, I think for a lot of organizations are having to do, and a lot of companies are doing some soul searching. I uh, had a client yesterday who referenced their internal communications platform, which is called Heart, as a way to reference how they were going to make uh, a stance and a decision about, you know, the, the racial tension that's going on in our country. Another client that talked about their um, commitment to be able to do the procedures that they're responsible for at the highest level possible and for patients that need them. And so what does that look like in terms of how they make decision about which services to return first in the environment that those services are delivered in? And I think the third thing that I would say would be the frequency of communications. Oftentimes in our practice, and I think this is human nature, leaders are hesitant to communicate until they have all the answers um, because they feel like it's re- that's the responsible thing to do. If we're going to get out there, we're going to say something to our employees or to our referral sources um, or to our patients. You know, we want to do so with a lot of confidence that there is and a lot of assurance that 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 we've analyzed all the information. This is a really solid decision. Frankly, that's just a luxury a lot of us don't have today in in this environment. So they're erring on the side of communicating more frequently in as information comes in, as decisions are being made, they're sharing that along the way, rather than waiting until everything is, is fully, um, you know, baked and distributing it out there. I would, I would agree, Molly, that one, one shining star, I, I think, or shining moment that we've, that, that has emerged is the improved internal communication that we've seen with our clients, for sure, is this, um, I mean, in the middle of COVID, when, when policies were changing every second, it seemed like, you know, they were, they were communicating every single day and sometimes multiple times in a day. Um, and I think that's backed up, of course, a little bit because no one can, can, can say, sustain that. But this, the level of communication and the level of vulnerability that you're talking about is, is that this sort of, and I, I hate this message because it's a little overused right now, but this sort of we're all in this together kind of a thing as a thing I would hope that organizations keep from this, this sense of unity and, and moving forward together that I think has been something to, to celebrate, I think. And in this time of extreme change, I think one of the things we can find comfort in and how we structure communications is to talk about what's not changing. So you heard Molly reference the mission, vision, values of an organization with the real tangible examples, especially in light of the week's recent events um, of how those values are being brought to life in your organization. I think can be comforting when literally there's a, a different awful reality staring you back every morning, it seems, that when you wake up. So we've seen some organizations through this change really take advantage of the strong culture building they've done prior to this. So they're able to lean on trusted relationships and lean on a procession of good communications that allow them to get through some really tough stuff united. We've also uh, had some clients, but we've also seen in the industry some places where the culture is not good. It's splintering. Um, they've been firing physicians. There's union activity. There's a variety of other things that are happening that are divisive. 
and, and are not helpful to moving the organization forward necessarily. What do we what do we tell these organizations? I mean, how do they how do they reset or get themselves back on their feet to, to move forward when things are um, not as united as we would like them to be at the end of this chapter? I think for the organizations that have the stomach for it, it's a time to take a stance as an organization and to reflect on who you want to be, the role you serve in your community, how that is unique. At least in the academic medical world, I am watching COVID allow us to create the opportunity to attack a lot of the sacred cows, the funding relationships, the programs that couldn't be touched in the spirit of we've got to work together differently. So for those those cultures that frankly just aren't working either, I think now is the time to reimagine and reexamine. And I think this is where we always counsel to listen first. And frankly, I think my, my clients that are struggling the most and my clients that are succeeding the most are, are sharing the same tactic right now and that they're slowing down to listen. You know, my, my troubled clients who recognize that they've taken some missteps, I've convinced two of them in the past few weeks to just totally hit the pause button, get their folks together in a COVID-friendly way, of course, and have a conversation about what should our culture be? How do we want to re-examine our values? Who are we as an organization? And then being willing to do something with the things you hear, the good and the ugly. You know, for our high-performing organizations, they've got a long history of doing that, and they're kind of toning that muscle now again. So I, I think there's got to be something to really listening to those you serve, both in and beyond your walls, and then reflecting on, you know, your role and what you hear. I think uh, listening is really important. So I really want to applaud Lauren for saying that and, and back that up. And I would add that, like, you're never going to find a time when people are going to be more candid about telling you how they feel than you are right now. That's right. Um, Emotions are high, people are being honest, people are vulnerable. So now would be a great time. I'd say lean into the moment. I think the other thing that comes to mind is there's a saying about, you know, the fastest way through a problem is right through it. And um, if you're a leader, you want to know what the variables are that stand between and the, the hurdles are that stand between you and the problem that needs to be solved. And those are going to come to light pretty quickly in a, in a time like we face today. People are going to be honest. They're going to be transparent. And I think that there's a sense of, um, of uncertainty that makes this a little bit easier. What else do we have to do besides lean into something that, that's tough? We've got time on our hands. We've got energy. And let's use it to solve some of the problems that have plagued us for a long time. The other thought um, that I'm reminded of here is that because it's so turbulent at the moment, we have permission um, to do some things we may not have been able to do before. You know, if we're going to do something radical or, or do something that's tough or do something that feels dramatic, we have license to do it in a way we didn't do it before. And that, I think the opportunity for leaders is to take advantage of that. And the saying is don't waste a crisis, but it's, it's more than that, right? It's, it's to do these things that are um, important to where you're going to be long term. I mean, don't you think organizations, I mean, I think they are, are, are in some ways proud of themselves on how they've handled things, right? I, I, for instance, telemedicine, we talk about it a lot, is like going from, you know, having 12 visits a month to 1,200 visits yeah. in, in a matter of days. I mean, that is astounding. We can do, I mean, the, the idea that all the stuff that seemed so hard before and so political and so rah, 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 it's like 
suddenly we can do it in three days. Like that's got to give people confidence that some of these things that they know they should be doing or, th- or ideas that they have, it, it's not as hard as we make it. Can't we move? I mean, we, we've proven to ourselves that we can move fast and, and do it successfully and well. And so that's, I mean, that's another great thing that, that has come from this, I think. Yes, if, if the compulsion is there, if the reason is compelling enough, people will move. And maybe a lesson is that in the past, we, we thought we had some pretty compelling messages about our vision, but not that much, not enough. Yeah. Are any of you worried that, and Murray made the wrong word, but does it, does it get your attention that as the volumes come back um, to pre-COVID levels or even better, and the revenue begins to flow again, some organizations may go, well, we need, to, we need to now snap back to where we were. We talked about transformation and change, but that really did work well, you know, for the last, I don't know, 100 years. So we're going to, you know, we'll add some televisions that do telehealth, but generally we're going to go back to the way we were or not. Or are you hearing this really is a time for change and we're going to reset and take advantage of that? The financial cliff most of my clients have fallen off will prevent them from returning to how they operated, even if they wanted to or thought that was a good idea. That financial reality that the holes are so deep in the hundreds of millions of dollars, um, they're, they're going to have to find very creative ways to work out of that. And that, that just means that they have to work differently. They have to reimagine things. So that will be the forcing function long after COVID is, is gone. And may that day come sooner than any of us think. But unfortunately, I, I think the, the financial impact created by COVID is going to linger um, and, and really drive a different set of behaviors. I think that high performing organizations who want to be at the top of their game and who want to be the best in class at what they do will not return to normal. And, and I don't think that in a different way than what Lauren's describing, I just, I don't really think it's an option. I think that patients have changed. I think what they want has changed. I think their needs have changed. I think what their expectations are have changed. I think the economy's changed. And so I think that we have to deliver a better healthcare experience than we did before COVID. We have to take into account the considerations for safety, for cleanliness, um, for overall experience and the organizations that, that want to strive to be excellent and successful and at the top of their game will embrace that. I think for a lot of health services companies, they feel like, just to provide a little tension here in our conversation, I think they feel like they're already delivering a better experience than what people get at hospitals for certain conditions, right? And for certain procedures. And so I think that they are, as I said in one of my earlier comments, really eager to get patients back uh, in their system and back in their facilities. And so what I hear a lot about is how can we make sure we are delivering a superior experience when they're back here? And so that is the, the shift that I see versus wanting to, to return to normal. So is, is the, let's go back to health systems just for a second. And as they look at how they need to be different, is there... Is there a moment that they're done when they, when a leader can say, this is it, we're finally who we need to be now? Or are we, have we entered an era, maybe we've always been it, but now it's, it's, it's more vibrant, when it's going to be constant change. We're going to be evolving for quite a while, and uh, everyone needs to get comfortable with that. Um, I want me to answer that, that Please. question. I think... 
I think people are exhausted. And I think sort of running on this adrenaline rush. And so I, I think, can we, not, can we not tell people we have to change all the time? I, I mean, can we use a different word? I don't know. It just, it, it, it's um, what we have to do. And so do we have, to, we have to talk about it in that way? I've always wondered why do we have to, we've got to change. We've got to change. Well, we're just going to, we're going to, we're working, we're going to work on this over here. We're going to improve over here. We're going to, we're going to tweak some things. I mean, I don't know why we have to keep calling it change. It's just sort of, I mean, do we as people stay the same all the time. We're always changing, right? Do we have to like get all agonized over it? I don't know. Just like, I think sometimes we just make this, the idea of change seem like so terrifying when it's just part of being a human. But I do think healthcare has... When you don't, when you don't have a concrete um, image of what that change is. Right, because so it, it just seems scary and a lot. And like, you mean we always have to change? That's just, it's just exhausting. But we're always going to be, we're always going to work to be better. And so maybe we, maybe it's framing it, but I mean, there's no way we can't continue to change as an organization, as an, as an industry. Um, we're too big, got too much going on. People change, technology changes, you know, who's in the office changes. I mean, all these things um, that affect us and there's, there's, you just can't, we can't not, unfortunately. I think that I've been uh, thinking about this a lot. Like, I think prior to COVID, change was like the hottest word in healthcare, to Kim's point, and overused, to Kim's point again. And so now it strikes me, though, that what we're not really, we're not looking for people to change now. We're looking for them to like gradually evolve with us as we make our way through this, right? As a society, as an industry, as a profession. And, you know, evolving and pivoting looks a lot different than changing. Change, change is a long-term, let's hunker down, you know, let's talk about where we're going, what that destination is going to look like when we get there and how much better we're gonna be for it and what's in it for you and how we can advance our mission in these new ways. But evolving is like closer to the vest, right? And it, it, uh, there's more steps in evolving and it's a, it's a more intimate dance. And so I think about how to give people a strong base is really now the challenge. Whereas before we were trying to give them a destination, like, well, when we get here, when we do this hard work, our health system, our healthcare, healthcare company yeah. is going to be better and greater and stronger when we do all these things. And now it's like, we want you, I think the message is we want you to stay in this with us and help us get, we don't know what it's going to look like when we get there, but, you know, stay with us, right? Help us figure this out. Like we're all in this together. So if you want to persuade people to do something like that, to me, it's about a lot more about providing a sense of stability than it is a sense of change. So just to go back to what we were talking about earlier, um, which Lauren said, what's not going to change? And what are you, what are those guiding principles and values that you're going to fall back on to guide your organization through this? Because it's not going to get any easier anytime soon. You know, everybody agrees that COVID has created this huge inflection point and no one knows when it's going to end. And then there's all these, you know, things that have spurred as a result of COVID. And so safe to say, long-winded way, uh, and safe to say that, that nothing is going to be normal for a long time. So what can we as leaders make normal? You know, how can we stabilize our workforce? How can we ease the concern of patients? How can we provide a sense of stability that gives people the comfort level they need to evolve with us together? I like How that can one. we not use the phrase new normal? <laughs> I like that sense of stability. I think folks absolutely need that something in our lives needs to feel solid, right? Mm -hmm. 
something because it, it, it feels like we're on shifting sand all the time. So maybe why can't it be your organization, the organization that you work for that provides that at least some solid stuff? Wouldn't that be a nice thing to, to, for that to be the case? Yeah, I love that a lot. And I, and I wonder, Molly or all of you, that it, with, it, given a sense of stability, it's so hard even for large health systems at the moment because with everything that's happening, it's still, there's big elements that are, that are not stable. So you, there's some things you still can't sell a stable message about. You can sell a stable message about how, how we're going to talk to each other, how you're going to be informed, how we're going to make decisions. And that, that almost sort of ladders up to that mission and, and values of an organization. You can be true to those things no matter what happens. So leaning on that is, I think, could be a great value to our organizations. And a lot of them, um, I think, sometimes forget that. Easy to do when the house is on fire. Yeah. I think we also, you know, to take some time to celebrate. I don't want to call them wins because who's winning in this, but celebrating how we've come through this time and so that we can say, remember back, you know, three months ago when we were X, just look how far we've come. Look what we did. Because when you're in the, you forget, we forget um, how far we've come or the things that we went through together and, and celebrating that and, and sort of saying, we can, we know we can do this. We've, we've just done it. And now it's time for the next thing. And so making, I, I think there's some things to, to, to point to that say, look what we did and we can do this again. Come on with me. I think something we could explore further as a company is um, with our clients and something to think about for the art of change Chiffrin is like, are healthcare leaders asking the right questions? Like given the, the change that's occurred and the extent of it, you know, I think we're searching for stability, we're searching for answers and we're searching for some sort of predictability. And it strikes me that like, you know, the, I, I always think the question is the leads to enlightenment, right? Not necessarily the answer, but it's like you're, what are you on the hunt for? And what are you striving to find the answers to are really important. They, that kind of dictates this, the strategy of an organization or a company. And so it strikes me like in our conversation today with all the things that we talked about, maybe it's an idea of uh, revamping the questions, the collective questions that healthcare leaders are trying to answer and, and challenges that hospitals and health systems and companies are trying to solve. There's a, there's a new set of questions to, to look at.